see two places to look for the will of God. Number one, we look to his word. But in addition to that, which is really saying the same thing, just a more narrow look, it's looking to Jesus. Jesus in the scripture is a living proof of the will of God. So whatever you see in him, whatever you hear him say, whatever you see him do, you know that that is the will of God. Every message that he preached, every miracle that he worked, you don't have to wonder, is it the will of God to heal? Because you see Jesus do it. You don't have to wonder, is it the will of God to save? You see Jesus do it. So where do we find the will of God? We look to the word and we look at Jesus. And the same thing's going to have to be true concerning prosperity. You want to find out if it's God's will? Look to his word. Amen. So let's look to his word and let's look to Jesus today once again to find out and determine if it's God's will for us to increase and overflow. Luke chapter four. Did you find it? Good, because I gave you like 13 minutes to find it. Luke chapter four in verse 18 well, back up to verse 16. It says, Jesus came to Nazareth where he had been brought up. I want you to make that connection. He came to Nazareth where he had been brought up. This is, this is where Jesus was from. Came, came home, hometown. And as his custom was, he went into the synagogue on the Sabbath day and stood up to read. So we have reason to believe that this is not just something Jesus did once here in his hometown. This is something he did in places all over. This was his custom. He went into the synagogue and he stood up to read. And he was handed the book of the prophet Isaiah. And when he had opened the book, he found the place where it was written. Verse 18, this is what Jesus said. The spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me. Listen to it again. The spirit of the Lord is upon me. Why? Because he has, say it with me, anointed me. The spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me. I want you, for the sake of what we're talking about today, to begin right now making this connection, drawing the line between these two dots. The spirit of the Lord and the anointing. What did Jesus say? The spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me. Now we're going to keep reading, but let me, let me add this right here. Let's, let's, let's begin to understand what it means to be anointed, what the anointing is. Uh, you look through the scriptures going all the way back to the book of Exodus, Leviticus, when, when God had appointed Aaron to be the high priest that Aaron stepped into that office through the anointing that came on him. And there was a whole process that went with that. It was an outward demonstration that represented what God was doing in and through that office. You remember the, was it the psalmist that said, how good and pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in unity? He said, it's like that oil that precious oil that was poured over the head of Aaron. And you remember that psalm, it talked about the oil starting at the top of his head and running down his face to his beard, all the way down his clothes to the hem of his garment. This was anointing him into that office in that place as high priest. Our version of anointing 
if you've ever seen it at all, it's slightly different these days. Our, our anointing is usually a, a bottle of oil about that big. Has anybody ever seen this? This is what it was in the church where I grew up. It was a bottle, bottle of oil about that big, and the, the preacher, the pastor, would take the bottle and, like you're putting on perfume or something, it's like kind of tip it over real quick, get a little dab there on your finger, and, and, and anoint the person. And there is certainly anointing through the New Testament. You see it there too. But man... You go back and look at the scriptures in the Old Testament. This was not like a little dab on the forehead. This was get covered in this stuff, saturated. And actually the word to anoint literally means to smear into, to rub onto. And that's what was going on with Aaron. And it represented something. It represented him stepping into an office, stepping into a place of ministry, but not just the place that he held. Check this out. It was also the spiritual equipment needed to do the job. Now think about the natural job that you and I do, the natural jobs that we're in. If somebody hires you to do a job, they've got this big task for you to do and they've outlined everything and they've set a due date and they've set very clear expectations and they want it done, they want it done right, they want it done soon and then they just leave you to do it without the equipment to do the job. That's frustrating. Is it frustrating to anybody else to think that we've hired you to, to input all this data and they give you, you know, about two feet of, of folders and paperwork and all this data, thousands of lines of data that all need to be entered into the computer and it's all got to be done by Friday at eight, right? Big job. Now you can, you can do it, but they turn to walk out of the room. You're like, okay, just one quick question. Can I get a computer? No. So you want me to input the data? Yes. Into a computer? Yes. Can I get a computer? No. What do you lack? You lack the equipment to do the job, right? Are you with me this morning? You need some equipment. I don't care if it's putting data in a computer or digging a ditch. If somebody wants a ditch dug, fine, we can do that. What do you need? Can I get a shovel? No. That's frustrating, man. I need some equipment to do the job you're asking me to do. The anointing is the equipment. When God gave, whether it was Aaron or a different priest or a king or a prophet, somebody stepping into a ministry, Every time they did that, there was a process of anointing them, and it represented the spiritual equipment being imparted to them to do what they were being called to do. That's the anointing. But it wasn't just equipment. The Bible says in Isaiah chapter 10, verse 27, put that verse on the screen for us, Isaiah 10, 27. I'm going to read this to you in several translations in a minute, but look at it just here in the New King James. It says, it will come to pass in that day that his burden will be taken away from your shoulder and his yoke from your neck and the yoke will be destroyed. Why? How? Because of the anointing. So not only is the anointing the spiritual equipment to do the job, it's actually power. The anointing is power to do what? Remove burdens and destroy yokes. That's what the anointing is. It's equipment and it's power. 
the equipment to do the job, the power to remove any burden and destroy any yoke. Now go back to Luke chapter four. And what did Jesus say? The spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has, say it out loud church, anointed me to. So wherever you see the anointing, it's always for something. It's not just for the sake of saying, I'm anointed. Look at me, everybody. Anointed. Dripping in oil. For what? Nothing. No. The anointing is for something. He said, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to. What has he anointed Jesus to do? He's anointed me to preach. He's anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted. He's anointed me to proclaim liberty to the captives, to proclaim, anointed to proclaim recovery of sight to the blind, anointed to set at liberty those who are oppressed. So as you look at this list, what we're looking at here is basically Jesus' job description. For lack of a better way of expressing it, Jesus had been hired by God the Father to do a job. And here's the outline of the job description. And he's saying, Jesus, here's the human condition. All humanity is in this condition right now. What condition? Poor, brokenhearted, blind, imprisoned, captive. That was the, the condition that all of mankind was in until Jesus. And it's the, it's the condition that all mankind is still in unless and until they know him. Are you hearing me this morning? I want you to track with me. So God, forgive me, I don't mean to be you know, you know, disrespectful in this, but he is essentially commissioning Jesus to go do a job. Here's your job. The human condition, every man, woman, and child, they are all poor, brokenhearted, blind, imprisoned, held captive, and I am sending you to do something about it. But if you're going to do a job, what do you need to do the job? Come on, we just talked about it. Equipment. Jesus needed some equipment. And what was that equipment? The anointing. The anointing. Now, isn't it interesting to think Jesus couldn't do what God called him to do without the anointing. Did you know that's literally what the word Christ means? Translated, it literally means the anointed one and his anointing. Jesus required the anointing to do what God called him to do. Peter even said some of these things in the book of Acts chapter 10. When he was preaching, he said how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth. Didn't we read that a moment ago? Jesus is where? He's in Nazareth. He's in his own hometown where he was brought up. How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth. Why is that an important detail? The Bible's not just wasting words. Why do we need to know it's Jesus of Nazareth? Is it just so we don't think it's Jesus from another town? Is it just so we don't confuse him with Jesus of Capernaum or Jesus of Jerusalem? No. This detail that, Je that the anointing is on Jesus of Nazareth 
reveals to us that when Jesus came to earth, he emptied himself of all his deity. He emptied himself of all his, his godness, and he became a man. And everything he said in this, in this life on earth, every word, every message, every miracle came as the result. You ready for this? As the result of a man anointed. It didn't happen because Jesus was God in the flesh. The miracles didn't take place because he was Jesus, God in the flesh. The miracles took place because he was Jesus, a man anointed. I hope you're hearing me this morning. So this equipment of the anointing was specifically for something, to preach the gospel to the poor, to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to captives, to set at liberty the oppressed. Peter went on to say how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit. Are we making that connection? The Spirit of God was on him. He's anointed. God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power who went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed of the devil. As you look through this list and you discover this is the human condition, here's what I want you to realize. That every one of these things are a burden and a yoke. And Jesus was and is anointed to lift that burden and destroy that yoke. What this is showing us, though, is that in no way is poverty God's will for somebody. I mean, would you say that it's God's will for somebody to live brokenhearted? Of course not. Would you say that it's God's will for somebody to live blind? For somebody to live captive? For somebody to live oppressed? No, we know that. That's not God's will. We know that every one of those things are burdens and they are yokes. And we know that Jesus was and is anointed to lift that burden and destroy that yoke. But here's the good news. What did he come to do? How did he lift the burden of brokenheartedness? Through the anointing to heal. The anointing to heal lifts that burden. The anointing to preach recovery of sight causes the blind to see. The anointing to proclaim liberty sets people free. Check this out. The same anointing and the same anointing on, on preaching sight to the blind will do the exact same thing that it will for the poor man. Man, I don't know if I'm saying that right. Come on. Listen, you got to use some faith with me on this. Listen to this. The Spirit of the Lord was upon Jesus because he had anointed him to preach the gospel to the poor. The anointed preaching of the gospel has the ability to do the same thing for the poor man that the anointed preaching of healing can do for the broken man. Ah, we're almost there. The same anointed preaching of the gospel has the same power to do for the poor man what it has to do for the broken for the blind, for the captive. Yes. And what this shows us is that poverty in no way, no way, no shape, no form is God's will. It's a burden. It's a yoke. And Jesus is anointed to lift it. Jesus is anointed to destroy that burden, to destroy that yoke. Amen. You believe he's anointed to open blind eyes? Come on, look through his ministry. 
Does God want the blind to see? Well, I don't know. Yes, you do. Look at Jesus. You know it's God's will because he did it over and over and over again. I don't know if it's God's will to heal the brokenhearted. Yes, you do. You know it is. How do you know it is? Because of Jesus. That's how you know. I don't know if it's God's will to, to heal the oppressed. Yes, you do know it is because he did it like everywhere he went. You know it's his will. Well, I don't know if it's God's will for, for me to abound or to be poor. Yes, you do. <sighs> yes, you do. Yes, you do. Look at Jesus. He anointed Jesus to do what for the poor? Preach the gospel to them. Isn't it funny that people want to argue with you whether or not prosperity is in the gospel? Here it is right here. Jesus was anointed to preach the gospel to the poor. That should tell you right there, that's the only way to really, truly end poverty. And people are trying everything but that. We're going to end poverty, so we're going to start these feeding programs. We're going to end poverty, so we're going to take up worldwide offerings. We're going to end poverty, so we're going to go build houses and dig wells. That's wonderful. It is a good thing to give to the poor. We know that. It's a good thing to be a blessing. It's a good thing to feed and to clothe and to build. All of those things are wonderful. As long as you remember that man's greatest need is not natural, is not physical. It is first and foremost spiritual. And if you really want to end poverty in somebody's life, you preach the anointed gospel to them. That's how you do it. That's how you do it. Thank you, Lord. And we'll be involved in some of these programs. I'm excited about it as the Lord would lead us, but we can never forget that what man needs more than anything is the gospel preached to him. Paul said in Romans chapter 1, verse 15, he said, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power. The anointing on the gospel has power. It's the power of God to salvation for everyone who believes it. Thank you, Lord. So go back to Isaiah chapter 10, verse 27. Let me read it to you again. It'll come to pass in that day that his burden will be taken away from your shoulder and his yoke from your neck, and the yoke will be destroyed because of the anointing. Okay, so we have determined here that poverty is not a blessing. It's a yoke. It's a burden. Let me read to you the definition of the word poverty as it uh, shows up in Scripture. It literally means beggar. It means inadequate, insufficient, scarce, scant, and small. Listen again. It means beggar, inadequate, insufficient, scarce, scant, and small. I want to give you two words to connect to poverty. Number one, weakness. And as the result of weakness, poverty is inability. That's what poverty is. It's weakness. And because of the weakness, it's an inability. But on the other hand, this is how the scripture defines prosperity. The word prosperity literally means to advance. It means to be profitable. I like this one. To succeed in reaching. The word prosperity means to succeed in reaching. The word itself, it paints a picture of somebody reaching. Well, think about if you're prospering financially. What does that mean? It means you've got money at the beginning of the month, and check this out, at the end too. Why? Because what you had reached. 
But how many people, what they've got is not reaching? How many people have more month than money left? Oh, it's happening all over the place. And it may be even happening in here. So we're going to have to find out, is that God's will or is it not? And if it's not God's will for me to come short, but if it's his will for me to succeed in reaching, we're going to have to find out how to do it. Prosperity means to succeed in reaching. We've got to make up our minds, decide it, determine it now, forever, never question it again. Poverty is not a blessing. And it's not the will of God. It's not his will that we beg. It's not his will that we live inadequate, insufficient, scarce, scant, small. It's not the will of God that we be weak and have no ability in our lives. We've got to learn to see poverty the way he sees it. He sees it as a burden. He sees it as a yoke. And he's given us the anointing to destroy it. Let me read some of these other translations to you from Isaiah chapter 10, verse 27. We read New King James. It says the yoke will be destroyed because of the anointing. Some of these other translations are interesting. The Amplified Classic says the yoke shall be destroyed. You see this? Uh, keep going there. The yoke will be destroyed because of fatness. One translation said anointing. This one says fatness. I didn't think I'd get very many amens on that, but <laughs> fatness, which prevents it, talking about that yoke, prevents the yoke from going around your neck. He's talking about somebody with a really fat neck. And look, listen, it gets worse. The uh, International Standard Version. Do we have that one, guys? I don't know that we do. It actually says it like this. The yoke will be destroyed because you've become obese. A lot of nervous laughter through the crowd. I know. I, this is what it says. But one translation after another talk about fatness because of the fat, because your neck is so fat. What is a yoke? You know what a yoke is. I mean, you got to think back to, to ancient history when, when they would put these wooden devices around the neck of a, of a slave or a captured prisoner. And this is what they would use to drive that person. And they would connect yoke to yoke to yoke to yoke. And they would have a line of slaves that could all be controlled by one person in the back just by steering that one. And the yokes that connected them around their neck that held on tight to their neck, it steered all of them. And it was, it was a, a device to, to restrict freedom. It was a device that, that enslaved a person to the will of another person. And what he's saying here is that thing that's been enslaving you, that yoke that's been tight around your neck will be destroyed. How? Why? Because your neck got so fat that it just broke apart that yoke. It paints quite a picture, doesn't it? But I'm going to tell you something. This is why Satan hates and is terrified of the anointing. This is why he hated it on Jesus. Do you realize that Satan didn't start tempting Jesus until right here in Luke? What's he seeing? the anointing that's on him. He recognizes that burden-removing, yoke-destroying power. Why does he hate it? Because that's his whole business. Satan's whole business is to build big burdens. He is in the better, bigger, burden-building business and will work for generations to stack up a burden on somebody so tall, so heavy, 
to the point where they don't even realize they're burdened anymore. They just think, well, daddy had this and daddy's daddy had this and daddy's daddy's daddy had this and I guess this is just my life. It's a burden. He will put a yoke around somebody's neck, enslave them, addict them. Uh, What did Jesus say? I came to set at liberty the prisoner, the oppressed. He will oppress and imprison people with these yokes and he will work tirelessly. Satan has no qualms whatsoever with spending a hundred years building a burden and installing a yoke on a people. And you don't want to know why he hates the anointing? Because a moment under the anointing, one moment can lift that burden and destroy that yoke. How was the yoke destroyed? Because of fatness. Hey, thank you so much for listening to the Legacy TV podcast. We hope you enjoyed this. And if you'd like to hear more of Jeremy and Sarah, subscribe to this podcast and download the Legacy Studios app. From there, you'll have access to the Legacy Television broadcast, the Legacy Letter magazine, and so much more. You can also visit pearsonsministries.com to contact us directly and find out how you can get involved with everything that's happening here at Legacy Studios. Be blessed today. We love you. Remember, you are always welcome here in the House of Faith.